Um, I'm here today with my fellow brother husbands, and we are talking about feminism and the LGBTQ2A community. Um, we also have a special guest with us today. So we have the host and creator of the Mrs. Feminist podcast, as well as a two-time published author of the Tangled series with Tangled in Tennessee and Tangled on Tour. We have Alexandra Wolf with us. Hi. Hi. Welcome <laughs> to our podcast. Thank you. We're super stoked to have, like... One of like four guests we've ever had. So, oh, wow. yes. And the fact that she's like super famous. Right? Because I she's mean, a published author. I know. I've been like to get. super <laughs> stoked to do this like big ass intro of like, look what she's done. <laughs> and she brought us delicious cookies. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's really the only reason she's on the podcast. Because oh, wow. <laughs> she brides us with cookies. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She knows the way to our bear's heart. That's for sure. That's for sure. All right. So, um, that's not what I want. Oh, you know, that's what I want. All right, so Alex, uh, we're here today to talk about feminism. Yeah. And your podcast is essentially about feminism. So talk to us a little bit about what feminism is. Okay. So feminism is the belief that men and women inherently deserve the same rights and opportunities and freedoms. Mm -hmm. That's it. Woot! All right. <laughs> End of podcast. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. I have to go now. Let's leave the cookie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's basically it. Okay. Yeah. So, like, talk to us, like, what, talk to us about the history of feminism a little bit. Okay, so there's technically, like, the four waves of feminism, but it first became, like, feminism as a word itself. And as a movement kind of began with the suffragettes back in the day who were trying to get the right for women to vote. So that was their big thing. And then it developed, kind of went on hiatus during the wars because people were busy with the wars. (laughs) (laughs) And then you saw a resurgence of it during like the 60s and 70s with the second wave all like peace and love. And obviously feminism is all about love and peace so it was a good match and then kind of third wave moving on into the future bit so like 90s early 2000s and that was all about like i'm a woman hear me roar it's like girl power girl power yeah spice girls exactly (coughs) and then we're kind of in like an unofficial fourth wave right now that's focusing more on like not necessarily why white women need more rights, but why marginalized groups need more rights. Okay. So, yeah, that's kind of the short form of the history. But it's definitely always been around, just maybe not labeled officially as feminism. Okay, so when we talk about, when we talk about feminism, because um, feminism tends to be a bit of a dirty word. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, well, okay. That's that. That sounds bad. So <laughs> there are some people that feel like feminism is a dirty word mm-hmm. um, because when they hear the word feminist, they think, um, you know, bra burning, man hating, um, I can do anything better than you type of feminism. So totally. <laughs> what can we like? That's obviously a myth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but where did that perception of feminism come from? I think it came from more of the third and second wave feminism where it was like literally burning bras and like women are better than men and that's kind of when a lot of extremists emerged 
who I wouldn't consider feminists because I think once you go to the point where you're burning your bras, which are like freaking expensive, <laughs> why would you ever burn a bra? I found a bra yesterday, it was $46. <laughs> I was like, kill me. <laughs> this is why we should just not wear bras. But um, yeah, you had people like that who were going to the extreme and saying, not only do women deserve equal rights, but we should get more rights because you've screwed us over for so long. And why do we even have men in power? Men are stupid and ugly and useless, and we don't need them for anything except to make babies, which we don't want to do. I couldn't imagine how men would be upset with this. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not cluing in. Hmm. I always think of there's like that scene in Boy Meets World where they have to set up the kids in school have to set up like their ideal society and Topanga's like we have all women we've moved the men underground and they're only there for procreation <laughs> <laughs> but so it was a lot of extremists and I think with like the internet becoming big those extremists had a bigger opportunity to share their extreme viewpoints and so it really drowned out more like reasonable feminists who didn't feel the need to scream and slap people across the face with it. So, unfortunately, it's kind of well, like anything where a stereotype is formed. Yeah. Of, like, the angry man-hating feminist. <laughs> and then that's what we get seen in media and all of that. Which, but I'm glad you talked about the extremists, because I think every, every group has their own version of extremists. Mm. And it's hard when those extremists end up having the bigger voice because it makes the group they're representing look so much worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Well, and it is hard because they are always the ones who are so much louder. Yeah. And so it's kind of like one of the things I've struggled with is, okay, how do I kind of drown out the extremists but not become an extremist myself in doing so? Because I think, like, you've never changed your viewpoint when someone is slapping you across the face. <laughs> so it's not working. No. But then it's like, okay, so then how do we get people's attention in a good way? And, and I, I don't know that we figured that out. Yeah, because I think a lot of it, what what they're fighting there is um, you've got those, the extremists that are raising their voice. And so you, trying to not be an extremist, have to raise your voice to overpower the voice there. So, mm-hmm. and then it's just the people on both sides are getting louder and louder mm-hmm. and louder. So, and no one's hearing each other. Exactly. And no one's listening because they're trying to talk over each other. So, when you were trying to just get your point across and not be an extremist, you've turned into an extremist. Yeah. Just yeah. in a different direction because you're just trying to shut out the actual extremists that you were trying to do to yeah. begin with. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Because I think I can see parallels to that in a lot of the LGBT community because mm. yes. we're doing a lot of it the same. There's people that are fighting for our rights and then there's people that are fighting for our equality. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize that they're kind of the same thing. Yeah. Well, and I, I think when it comes to that, to your point, Terry, was when we have, like, for example, the 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 gay baker, the anti-gay baker, mm-hmm. the one who refused to, build, to bake a wedding cake for... Mm-hmm. Um, that gay couple I think that's now, when and now he's an ass yeah but I think um, that's where our extremists came out in the LGBT community mm-hmm. is because all of a sudden we took what was what should have been small where it's like okay you don't want to provide the service to us and I feel like an extremist caught a hold of that and went oh no yeah. 
uh, this is a big bad wolf and he's denying us, blah, blah, blah. Whereas the couple that had been denied were like, Meh. we'll go find a better baker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think you have to take that stand sometimes. Because if before, if somebody who was black, they got victimized that way and they said, I'm not going to serve you because you're black. And the, the couple then could have been like, well, that's okay. We're black, so we're just going to leave. Yeah. But then somebody else stood up and said, that's not okay. So I think we're in that movement right now where we have to go, it's not okay. We have a voice. We're allowed to use it. But our extremists took it too far, I think. Where like it, it's one thing to put them on blast mm-hmm. and be like, this isn't right, and these guys are assholes, and this shouldn't yeah. happen. But it's completely another thing to completely tear a person's life apart because of 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 their stand, of their of their beliefs when we're fighting for that same type of voice. Which is which mm-hmm. for me I understand that, but if you're in a position of serving the community and you have your doors open to sell them something yes you need to you can't bring your religion into it unless your bakery is literally a religious bakery yeah but yes. now you can in the states because they've got the which is which the is the act of religious freedom so you can deny yeah. whatever you want so yeah. it, it could be the same thing like if there was um i don't know a misogynist blacksmith and <laughs> you know you wanted to come up and get like great horseshoes from him but you, no, sorry, you're a woman. I don't sell to you. Like it's, if, a, it's a slippery slope, right? If that's but and if that ever came out in today's media, like what would the backlash be on that? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. To say that no, you wouldn't. I wouldn't sell to a woman. Yeah, like no matter mm-hmm. what background, mm-hmm. just because you're a woman, like that. He would have, I think, you know, been run out of dodge. Yeah, like right mm-hmm. now. It would just not be acceptable. So, but it was acceptable for him to do a, a different minority. Yeah. So, for your mm-hmm. viewpoint, Eric, you're saying they shouldn't have attacked him and basically ruined his business. Yeah. But for his position in selling stuff to the public, mm-hmm. he should have looked at it as like, I don't agree with your lifestyle, yeah. but I'm still going to serve you. But I don't have to agree with that. No, and I agree with you there. People shouldn't have attacked him and destroyed his livelihood. The reason I bring this up is because I had a conversation with a member of my family where they felt like our community went the wrong way about dealing with this. And and I I tried to fight it with that stance of, well, you're serving the public. Like, Mm -hmm. you're a public business. But this this family member kind of brought up with... um, you know, yeah, you're your your business, but you're also an individual citizen and like you're supposed to be able to, to you have the right to, to refuse service to people and and like he, he brought up a, as the way that it was dealt with it could it could have been dealt with better and handled better to build and have a better communication. Yes. With with the Christian community yeah. rather than than saying, well, you're a Christian, so now you're a bigot, and we're going yeah. to destroy your business because that's what, at least from his point of view, that's what the that's what my family member felt like um, was happening to Christians is all of a sudden we are trying to attack the religion, take away the religion, even though we're not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what happened is we got aggressive and assertive, mm-hmm. and that's been taken as. Um, we're now attacking and trying to demean and take away, which I think is what's kind of happened with feminism too, where it's instead of is where when now that women are like, <clears throat> I'm here and I have a voice and I will use my voice mm-hmm. and you will fucking listen to me, that um, it's being taken as well. These women are are not feeling like they're entitled and they're bitching about everything and you know we didn't have to deal with this thirty years ago. Right, which I I have a big problem with 
I feel like when minorities speak up, they're all of a sudden angry. Yes. And like, and that's a bad I'm an thing. angry gay man. I am an angry gay man. Yeah, like <laughs> I, when I first started my podcast, someone said to me like, you just sound so angry. And I was like, well, no, no, I'm not angry. I'm not angry. Like, I'm just trying. To... And then I was thinking about it and I was like, no, I am angry. Yeah, you're, you're entitled you're to, be to be angry. angry. Like, this sucks. But I think maybe how you channel that anger is what counts but i really think like i mean there's a lot of there's this podcast called armchair expert with dak shepherd who's like a straight white blonde or blue-eyed male Mm -hmm. and like he gets very passionate but it's never anger Mm -hmm. and i was like so how come he gets to be passionate Passionate. but i can't be Mm -hmm. you know and i've I've run into that a few times in my workplace where um, my my boss at the time was being verbally passionate with me instead of yelling at me. But when I turned around and used mm-hmm. the same tone of voice or used the same volume, I was angry and insubordinate toward it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, I think it's, <clears throat> we, to go back to the whole angry part, yeah, we can be angry because we feel like we haven't been hurt. Yeah. Right? And that's it. We, like, we just, uh, we live our lives and we feel that, um, we are not being uh, seen, respected. Our uh, who we are as people isn't being taken seriously within the society. Um, and I think, and, and I totally, I would agree with you, Alex. Being allowed to be angry, it's one of those obvious ones, at, at least to me, because I know uh, this is something that Ray and I have talked about uh, before growing up. We were never subjected to a lot of the the, the sexist or the racist or anything, any of those stereotypes growing up because everything was just open and honest in our family and we didn't have any of those, um, it, it, we didn't have rose-colored glasses, but it just was never, mm-hmm. no one was ever different than anyone else because of who they were. They, mm-hmm. Everyone was equal. So when I see a lot of the stuff, I don't understand sexism and it's... Like, yeah, they are equal. We've all gone through the same thing. Like, if anything, um, I will be the first to admit it, men have had it easier because it's always been a voice club and women had to fight for everything, mm-hmm. which just doesn't make sense to me. So, like, women are allowed to be angry. I think a right? lot of the anger, though, comes from all the microaggressions we deal with every day. Yeah. Like, as gay men, you have to constantly think about just everything. How you're wearing, if you're talking to your partner, if you're touching your partner a certain way mm-hmm. in a store or with certain or people. Even, even terms we use, like I yes. like I get judged for calling Terry my husband. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to be, constantly <clears throat> second guess yeah. your, your sentences. They'd be much more comfortable if I referred to him as my partner, which yeah. is bullshit. I put a rain on it for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> but again, so here we are as gay men having to, you know, check our all check ourselves all the time. Mm-hmm. But so are women. That's the thing. Like right? you guys have to deal with so many microaggressions all, all the time. The time well, which Alex, I we don't really understand. Yeah. Because we never dealt with that as kids exactly. with, our, with our mom. Like no offense, but if I want to wear a slutty shirt, skirt skirt, I'm gonna wear a slutty yeah. skirt and not worry about someone's gonna like attack me in the parking lot. I'd probably yeah. be like, oh, alright. Whereas I know Alex <laughs> a couple of podcasts ago on your podcast, which I listen to on a regular basis. Oh, uh, right? <laughs> oh, the shout out. <laughs> Go listen to Mrs. Feminist Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you get your time at the end. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, but you talked about an experience at Bible camp where, like, you pretty much had to wear a turtleneck or one of those, like, 
19th century like dresses that covered you from like your chin to like your like yeah. you can't even show your ankles. Oh my god, I love the Puritan look. It's so know, fierce. It's really nice. Right. Because right. you know, any like the like if if the boy even saw like your ankle, heaven forbid, mm-hmm. then you know, you would just put them into this like sex crazed rage. It's like tartuffe all over. <laughs> so but like like talk because you deal with you deal with microaggressions on a daily basis as a woman. Not only as a woman, but I feel like you also do it as or have those as a, as a feminist. So talk to us about some of those experiences you've had. Mm-hmm. I think it just, it's a lot of little things, which is why it's micro. But like the example I always go to is when I was in school, like I would never, ever, ever get asked about what I was learning about. And um, whereas when John was in school, he would always get asked like, oh, so like talk to me about this thing now that you're this like intellectual educated man mm-hmm. whereas for me it was always like oh so what are the cute boys like did you meet anyone cute and then when john and i were together it was like so how's john how's your relationship and i was like i actually learned something really cool about like mary shelley today in case you give too far <laughs> like, and so it was just like well how come you're not valuing my education as much as you are his and like even today by some family members, like, I only get asked about my role as, like, a wife and how's marriage going and, oh. When are you having kids? Yeah, when are you having kids? Well, it's because you have nothing else going on. You don't have, you're not having an author platform. Yeah. <laughs> and books and a podcast. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of just, like, I don't like that the subtext to that is that that's supposed to be my biggest hottest priority or biggest dream Mm -hmm. in life and I know for some women it is like I remember talking to my mom once and I was saying like I just like don't get why people ask me about kids like that's so stupid as if that's my biggest dream in life to have a baby and she was like well yeah but that was one of my biggest dreams to be a mom and so you can't shame the other way as well. But yeah, just little stuff like that or I feel like I always have to second guess like or kind of be on the alert for when people are almost like infantilizing me. Or like the other day I went to get John some beer from the craft beer store and like he talks about it all the time, so I know my stuff. <laughs> and I got asked by the same person four times if I needed help finding anything. Do you know what you're looking for? And I was like, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And, oh, can I help you, sweetheart? And it was like, no, go away. See, and I find, because I, I have a colleague that refers to every woman he talks to as sweetheart or hun or dear. And I find those are microaggressions as well, because we would never call... The men in our workplace, dear or sweetheart or stud or, yeah. well, I mean, okay, <clears throat> that's a lie. I do. <laughs> that's why we talk to each other. Yeah, no, yeah. But, but like there are some colleagues that I that I refer to them as that because they refer to women as sweetheart or dear, and I find that's offensive. It is because I'm sorry, but unless you're dating that person, you don't get the right to call them pet names. No, mm-hmm. you know, and that I feel like that. Or you're, or you're friends with them. Like, if Alex and I are friends and that's our rapport, yes. then mm-hmm. that's completely acceptable. You'd never talk to a customer that way. That's yeah. ridiculous. No. Mm-hmm. no. Well, and I've had, like, old men come into Starbucks when I'm working, and it's always like, oh, thanks, sweetheart. Oh, haha, sweetie. And a couple times I've been like, actually, my name's Alex. <laughs> like, it's right here on my name tag. I have really nice handwriting, so you should be able to read it. <laughs> like, 
That's not my name. See, this is why I don't work in the service industry. <laughs> I would spit in every one of those lattes. <laughs> Remember, I work in the service industry, and I'm pretty much the same. Like, I, everyone knows that I'm, you know, sweet and pleasant on the podcast. <laughs> um, I have to, I'm, I'm, I'm paid to be sweet and pleasant eight hours a day, and it just, yeah. sometimes it does exhaust you. But, yeah. It does. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think, uh, to Alex's point, I kind of get it the opposite way, where people, and I can see it, where people will automatically, if you're a guy, they they do use different, like, um, different monikers for guys than they would for girls. So, like, you know, bros really don't mind saying dude or buddy. Why? I hate or, being called any of those, though. Right? Like, because I'm not your friend. I've never met you before. Yeah. Do not call me bud. Mm-hmm. Right? Or dude. Like, yeah. it's just, again, but I think it's just kind of ingrained in somehow in our society that we are allowed to use these kind of things mm-hmm. even though yes i'm wearing a name tag and yeah you can you can plainly see it they will still be you know like um hey man uh or your bro your dude yeah. like you know where's the condoms and i'll be like <laughs> like you need them i mean <laughs> uh but it's like it just it, it i don't know it feels like and i'm sure alex feels the same way it's just whenever you get that you kind of feel invalidated yeah, right? and it's, like dehumanized in a way. Yeah. Because they've taken away your name and like you're just another sweetheart or bro on the street. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're not like a unique individual. Yeah. It's not like it matters because you'll never see this person again in your life. Mm-hmm. But it is it is when, um, to go back to your point, when it's your family members who are asking, you know, not about your life, but how is your life with John, right? Mm-hmm. And it is kind of invalidating because, like you said, you learned amazing things today. You're doing amazing. You know, you're doing amazing things with your life. You've got like six different things that you're spinning plates for all at the same time. And you know, John's just gone to work. It's like <laughs> that's all he's doing. And now he's napping because he walked the dog. I'm yeah. sorry. Well, but even like when we have family dinners, um, I notice that when it comes to people talking to John or even to me, it's what's work like. Whereas I find when people talk to you, it's more. Um, like how was it's more they talk about like your they talk about your creative aspects which is fantastic because mm-hmm. you are very creative obviously you've published two books mm-hmm. so like they, they talk about like your links in bio <laughs> <laughs> get it on Amazon <laughs> <laughs> so like they talk about like your writing or your 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 music career but they don't really talk to you about like your like they don't talk to you about how work is going or what you're working on or like anything that would progress you in your career, and I think that that's mm. also a little because I, I find they do the same with my sister because it's um, like yeah they ask a little bit about school for her, but they don't ask her like what are you going to school to do? What do you want to do when you grow up? Um, it's more of what are you doing in school right now? Like my sister called me the other day; she took apart um, like a model engine and put it back together by herself, and hers was the only one that actually ran. Which is, I mean, I know journeyman mechanics that can even do that with their own engines. Mm-hmm. So the fact she was able to do that was really impressive and definitely bragworthy. But I feel like it, she doesn't get the recognition she does because she's a girl. So, yeah. Or she'll get the recognition because it's like, whoa, you're a girl. And you did you that? You did an engine. Like, Mm -hmm. I remember I was in auto class in high school, and I asked to go to the bathroom, and when I came back, our teacher was giving, because I was the only girl in the class, he was giving all the boys a lecture on how to be respectful around women, (laughs) which was, like, very sweet, and I didn't mind that, but it was, like, 
anytime I'd be doing anything, it'd be like, do you need help? Do you want me to lift that for you? Can you reach that shelf? That in it is in, in and of itself is not being respectful to you. As no. Well. Yeah. And it's like, I'll ask if I need help. Yeah. Like, like I don't mind asking. When I ran the car shop at my old store, um, I had two women who worked for me. And I actually depended more on my women than I did on my boys mm-hmm. because the women I worked with are more reliable. Absolutely. They, they showed up to work on time. And one of them was a, was a mom. She was a, a mom of a young kid. But she showed up on time. She stayed late when she was needed. She did all the work I ever asked of her. And um, she put up more labor numbers than the boys mm-hmm. did. And yes, I realized mm-hmm. that because she probably worked harder because she thought as a woman she had to prove herself. Mm-hmm. But I trusted her more with any work I gave her than any of my boys because I knew she would actually take care of Like she would do what I asked and and... and like I, and I thought and the, the other thing was like she was, um, she was like really light. Like she was probably maybe a hundred pounds soaking wet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are some tires that, and she was short too. She was like about well, she was like five foot two or something. So there are some tires that are like three quarters her size. So when she be she would change them over and she'd be like, "Can you lift this onto the balancer for me?" I'm like, "Absolutely," because I know for a fact that tire outweighs you by like yeah. four pounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like. I will help you out with that, but I would never offer. I would wait for her to come and ask because it's not my place to be like, you're too weak to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think going back to like, um, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> <Chicka, chicka, pshh. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, I will interject. Because <laughs> even when, because you started the story and then I interjected with, because women, women actually you can do that. Yeah. Um, I think... And I don't know, is, would that, con- for me, considered be being sexist, that I actually think women are more useful than men. Like, is that, like, I don't want to say reverse sexism, because it's, you can't ever go, like, reverse-ism. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you're still doing the ism, mm-hmm. just in a different mm-hmm. way. Like, usually you'll have it because we have sexism because we think men are better than women yes personally i think a lot of the time because the women like you said have had to work harder have had to prove themselves have had to do so much more than men they are now in society they are just more capable capable of doing a lot of things than men are well so like and but i i expect it like so did you you have these two women and you're giving them everything to do and then it's like well what are the boys in your shop doing they're all like you know sitting eating donuts watching the girls do all the work men and women have such different brains like from a psych standpoint women women's brains are like having a browser open and you have like 100 tabs going at once Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. their brains are very much like multitasking for most of them do you agree oh yeah yeah (laughs) and i've noticed with me my brain is very much that way yeah which is why I get along with women, I think, really well. Yeah. But men are very much like one track mind, one screen open at a time. And That's all they y- can do. Usually with. for me, it's porn. So <laughs> yeah, exactly, I get that. Every time, every every time someone walks around, I kind of have to like shut the screen down. But usually, that's what's on. The that's background. literally how it is. Yeah. So I think maybe that's why women work harder because they're able to more multitask with things. Well, and I think to Terry's point though too, I think we've lived in a society for so long where men have always felt like they're entitled to everything. Mm-hmm. And so women have had to work hard and, and to, to compete more and to compete harder. So I think women are more reliable because they've gone through and they've shown that they can do whatever we put in front of them. Mm-hmm. Whereas men are like, I have a dick, just hand it to me. Exactly. Which it's not acceptable anymore in today's yeah. society. Or it was, I made the money, so you can take care of the mm-hmm. house, take care of the kids. Oh, yeah. and now you want to have a job too? Okay, have a job. Yeah. yeah. It's well, really it, but, not fair. And it's kind of like... 
most people, if they're still in that kind of mindset, it's because, well, this is the way it's always been. So why are you trying to change things? And like I said before, we were never brought up with that because yeah. our mom was the, like, you know, mom was the breadwinner. Mom made all the rules. Mom ran all the house. And it, that was the kind of thing. So I always, I never had these. It's so weird. Right? I never had this offset balance of men being put up on a pedestal. I've always put women up on a pedestal because I always thought they did more. So then you get into real life and you get into society and you see these things that other people are trying to point out to you. And it's like, well, no, if you take a step back and you take John versus Jane, you see Jane is doing twice as much work. Yeah. What is there to fight about? Well, like, I, Jane is obviously doing more. And I think if I was still in retail, I would agree with you. Yeah. And I think it's because retail is still predominantly female dominated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, it's... When, when it's uh, on, like, in, the, in terms of frontline, I think yes. management-wise... Yeah. Unfortunately, it's still a man's club, mm-hmm. which is bullshit. Um, that's a different sub. That's that's for later on in the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, but being in the automotive industry, where everything from the front line to senior management is a boys' club, um, I think I see it a little bit differently. Where men, at least straight men, feel like they're just entitled to everything. And I just realized I sound like a man-hater right there. You did. <laughs> so, like, Hashtag feminism. <laughs> well, and I think what's interesting, too, is now that... Not that the there's no need for feminism anymore, but because we have covered a lot of ground, I think we're seeing, in turn, some men kind of sitting back going, okay, well, now it's supposed to be, like, a woman's world, so I don't have anything valuable to contribute and I think that's really dangerous too and one of the areas I'm really interested in is like how do we make it so that it's not just like oh yeah my wife does so much more than me like I'm just gonna go sit on the couch like I'm not valuable anymore because I think we still need obviously for the equality to be there each Mm -hmm. partner needs to feel valuable Mm -hmm. so how do we I guess keep men like doing valuable work I think, and being like motivated and wanting to be the best tire person in the yeah. shop, you know? Well, but there's also a, a disparity, I feel like, where there are some families where uh, mom gets pregnant and has a baby, but mom has the better paying job because mm-hmm. she has worked harder for it and has the education to back it. Um, so then dad's like, well, okay, you have the better paying job, so I will be the stay-at-home dad and mm-hmm. I will take paternity leave to raise our child for the year that we're able that we have paternity leave or a year and a half. Are we a year? We're at a year? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so we shame mom because she's a working mom and mm-hmm. not staying at home raising her kid. But then we shame dad because he's the one staying at home raising the kid, taking care of the house instead of going out and being the breadwinner. And realistically, what if the dad is just a... Is he's more suited to be a, like a full time parent at home? Yeah. Like, what if the woman is very career driven, loves her job, excels at her job? Yes. But she also wants to be a mother. Well, and that, with that being said, not saying anything that it's a stereotype, but if the woman is very career driven and you know the CEO of her company, maybe her husband is more of a people person and more open and loving and compassionate because she like he doesn't have to be so hard-nosed all the time right so i think what you were saying like how do we make men feel more more equal in the situation right now where you want to give women more rights and more freedoms and stuff how do you keep them feeling like 
masculine, quote unquote. So really, you want to know? You need how to you need to play your strengths. Yeah. Same as in our relationships, yeah. we're not we're not a man and a woman. We're two men. We yeah. st- we're still two men. We're allowed to be men. Exactly. But I think what so what we're the, the the song that we're singing right now is the fight of how do we make men not feel the way women felt 50 years ago. Yeah. Like, and that's kind of the struggle that it is. And I think some of that has to come, stems from toxic masculinity. Yeah, yeah. And I realize that there are people out there that think that toxic masculinity is a myth. Or it doesn't exist. But I fully believe it does. And you've discussed it a few times, Alex, in your podcast. Mm -hmm. um, Where the, the patriarchy is actually doing more damage to men than yeah. it is to women sometimes. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that. Let's unpack that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, so one of the biggest things I see is that, like if we look at rape culture, let's say, so feminism would look at, like Eric would say, and just say, I believe that you have a very capable mind and that you are not just all about where does my penis lead me? <laughs> Maybe sometimes. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> sorry, bad example. Right. Another bad example. There's no good example at this table. But like, I believe you are fully capable and strong enough to not just grab whoever you see on the street and attack them. Yeah. You know? Whereas patriarchy is like, oh, but I'm just a man. Like, I'm visual, I just have to have it. And it's like, cable. you can't tell me that men are strong and alpha and, like, the epitome of what we should be, but they also have no control over themselves. Like, it can't be both of those things. And so what I like about feminism is it says, like, no, you're capable, and, like, we're going to hold you to that because you can't get away with... I wonder if all those men that can't control themselves... If they were brought up with like a strong woman, like we were, like I wonder if that ever plays a role. If yeah. the woman was more subservient to their husband, or in the, their life that they were raised into, I wonder if that actually plays a factor. Into but it. that's got that's obviously one of those things that are learned. Like mm-hmm. um, it's either they they learned it from their fathers because that's the way their fathers were with all of their friends. And, you know, their mothers just allowed it because that's the way things were, blah, 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 blah. So it's like, it's just always that cycle of this is the way that, but no, we still got it. Uh, when all the stuff with, um, with like Kavanaugh and Ford were all going oh, on, yes. when they had that, um, that round table session with all the w- women, they were like, oh, well, it was so long ago and boys will be boys. Right. Boys. And like, that's the kind of excuse that we got. And it's like. Which I think is around the time that we saw that that meme pop up that uh, um, straight men understand consent when they go into a gay bar, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. right? No, and 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 it's it's sad, but it's true because all of a sudden that straight man is aware that he could essentially be groped and assaulted at any time, mm-hmm. you know. And if someone goes up and grabs his ass, well, and he doesn't like it, well. He, he, should, he shouldn't have been wearing those fine-ass jeans. Exactly. Right? Exactly. He was totally dressed like he wanted it. Yeah, those double pleat khakis. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, and they got this, me going. <laughs> there's this other great picture of a girl eating, like, her steak dinner, and her dog is sitting right there. And she says, like, even my dog understands no. <laughs> and, like, you're going to tell me you don't understand no? Like, unless I say go for it, he's not going to touch the steak. Mm-hmm. Yes. So... 
are you stupid or are you smart? <laughs> and like that whole boys will be boys, that's such a thing of toxic masculinity as if, well, boys are aggressive and boys are visual and they just can't help it. And like, that's just boys. And I think definitely like, um, especially you see it in little kids, like mm-hmm. little boys are naturally more like, oh, let's wrestle on the floor. And, like, there are things where, yeah, boys will be boys in a sense, but not to the level people take to but when you, But when they're kids and, like you say, boys will naturally wrestle on the floor, but is that because that's something that is allowed for them to do? Like, is that a choice that their parents have allowed? Like, you know, mm-hmm. oh, they can fight. Because their sisters couldn't. Because because their sisters are over there playing with dolls, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And it's quote unquote cute when their sister tries to come and fight with them. Yeah. But it's quote unquote wrong when <laughs> the brother goes and plays with the dolls. Yeah. So it's again that whole. Um, I think it's. I think maybe it stems to feminism again because they're you know we're allowing women to do men things. We aren't allowed doing, but lots, men are not allowed to do women things yeah. without mm-hmm. getting sh- without that kind of shame, yeah. right? Yeah. So, and what it all really comes down to, like something I've talked to my dad a lot about feminism because we don't agree on like anything, <laughs> so we have a lot of really good conversations. <laughs> but his biggest thing that he said is like, I just think we need to allow people to have different strengths, and I really do agree with that's one thing we do agree on mm-hmm. because I think it is like it's very easy to default into like okay I'm the girl so I'm gonna do the laundry and I'm gonna cook and that'll be my life and it's easy to default for John like okay I'm gonna go work and then I'll come home and I'll play video games and go to bed so like but that's not necessarily what we're inclined to do like John has said when we have kids he'll probably be a stay-at-home dad because he loves that, and he loves kids, and I'm just like, I don't have any particular interest. <laughs> it's not an affinity like, for you? Yeah. yeah, like, I'll be happy to be a mom and, like, mm-hmm. get to raise some, like, great kids, but, yeah, yeah I'm not passionate about watching Dora the Explorer all day long. <laughs> and, like, with cooking dinner, like, there's been a couple times where John's more conservative family members have been like, how come you're not cooking dinner for your husband? Like, how come he's cooking? And I'm like, because if I was cooking, it'd be mac and cheese every night. <laughs> I don't like to cook. But it was like, John loves cooking. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the, I guess, benefits of not having to rely on those gender roles, per se, like with you guys, you kind of can... I don't know if I should say this, but maybe it's more easy for you to go, okay, Terry, what's your strength here? Okay, great. That's what you're going to do. Because it's not like, oh, Eric's a woman, so he'll just do that. We don't have to discuss it. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think we just need to stop relying on those things. To To a point, you're right. But there's also still, even in a same sex relationship, they're still expected that one of you has a more masculine role and one of you has a more feminine role. And we touched on it. I think it was our very first blog post, actually. Yeah. Where we mm-hmm. talked about who's the man and who's the woman. Who's mm-hmm. wearing the pants. That's right. Yeah. Um, and and it's, it's a question that I don't know if, if Ray, you and Adam have been asked that, but I know Terry and I have been asked that numerous times. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a question I absolutely hate because, first of all, 
why should it matter? Mm-hmm. Second of all, why do we have to have gender roles? And third of all, it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect you who is more dominant and more passive in our relationship. Anytime yeah. we get that, I just say, oh, we play to our strengths. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because that's how it should be. That's in any relationship because that's how we were brought up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is what I laid out in the article because there are days, like, there are times where I feel like doing f- sweet fuck all. Mm-hmm. So Terry essentially runs the entire house that day mm-hmm. or week because I'm like, I'm just going to sit here and play Assassin's Creed and stab mm-hmm. some people in the face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Terry does all the cooking and all the cleaning and. Well, I think I still look after the dog. Yeah, you walk the damn dog. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But he does does everything in the house. But then there are other weeks or other days where I do everything in the house because Terry has to work some stupid-ass shift. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, well, I got time. I might as well do it. Mm -hmm. Well, I remember even, like, when you first came out to our family, I remember talking with my brother, Zach, and being like, so do you think he's, like, the girl or the guy? (laughs) I'm like, because that was just so, like... Well, because there's two boys, but one of them has to be, like, the wife. You had to understand it. Yeah, because I had, like, we were pretty young, too. But then once I got married, it kind of, I mean, I obviously had grown since I was 10 or whatever. But it was like, yeah, no, how come one of us has to be, like, the wife? Yeah. Because that doesn't make sense. We're just going to both be miserable because neither of us will be playing to our strengths. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then how are we supposed to have a healthy marriage? Exactly. Okay, so let's switch uh, topics here. And I just want to That's smooth. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about um, feminism and the LGBTQ2 movement. Um, so there's actually a bit of a history with... The feminist movement, I think the, is the third wave, the second wave? Thanks. Wave of the 70s. Yes. Yeah, second. So second wave and the birth and rise of at what was at the time was known as the gay liberation movement, mm-hmm. where um, the gay community was trying to kind of get, we were trying to get our voice up off the ground, and um, um, we couldn't because, you know, who wants to listen to the gay man? <laughs> so we teamed up with... Our feminist sisters were like, "Hey, can we like, can we like fight this fight together?" More like we hitched our horse to their wagon because <laughs> it was already a rolling. Right, but that was still that was kind of the time where a lot of the feminists were that stereotypical. Um, I'm a man hater. I'm going to burn my bra, and well, you're a man. I ain't going to help you. But obviously, something connected because without without feminists and without women, our 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 movement would never have gotten off the ground. Yeah, but I think one of the roots of that is because um, a lot of the early feminists were lesbians Yeah, because they realized we don't need a man in our lives to be yeah. happy. Yeah. So that's that was uh, kind of just a... I don't want to say a perfect marriage because that would go against everything we're trying to do, but it just made sense that... Like, you know, the lesbians and the gays would get together. I'm yep. not saying all the early feminists were lesbians, because definitely there had to have been some, uh, you know, there was married women oh, yeah. that were still following the suffragette movement and everything like that. So, but it's just the loudest voices were probably the lesbians. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what we are. Because the women already were, at the, at the time that our movement kind of was in its infancy and getting off the ground, the feminist movement was in their second wave. wave. They, 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 they were in their second wave, and they, yeah. they had a very mm-hmm. loud and very powerful voice. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yes, we hitched our, our star to that wagon because mm-hmm. we needed that 
platform to launch. So, you know, thank you women for helping us with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, thanks, I'm going to take Yeah, I was right yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> but what a lot of people don't know is that um, during the AIDS crisis of the 80s, um, when gay men were dying left, right, and center, um, it was the women who stepped up in our community and took on the leadership roles and ensured that our movement survived and ensured that we were able to get to the point that we are today. And a lot of a lot of modern LGBTQ2A leaders are women, mm-hmm. or at least mm-hmm. identify as women. Mm-hmm. I should point that out there because gender and sexuality are two different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but they identify as women, and they're the only reason why we even survived that that epidemic mm-hmm. of the eighties. Mm-hmm. So, is that? Do we think that because of women, is that why gay men in particular tend to be tend to lean to be more feminists, or do we think there's an underlying? I think it has to do with the fact that we we tend to have the same struggles in like coming out because we're facing this we're facing men essentially. Yes, yeah. this, this like masculine toxic environment that we're dealing with constantly. And women are dealing with the same thing. So we're able to identify with them and identify with their struggles. So I think that's why we get so connected with it. And we are very much, most gay men are feminists. Or most gay people are because they're fighting for the same thing. Exactly. And I think it's because as gay men, we are not intrinsically part of the boy club culture. No. Mm. Right? So, and if it's the boys club that's kind of moving the the whole toxic masculinity ship it's what keeps it afloat because it's all the guys that are around it they're shielding it from everything else Mm -hmm. we are never part of that because we can't get we don't believe it we're not you know we we don't follow their rules we don't do the same things as they do so it's we will naturally gravitate towards the women and Mm -hmm. ergo be feminists because we're not part of that boys club I think that's what it is Mm -hmm. your thoughts I feel like, well, I think that's more of, I guess I can have a thought on it, but I feel like that's more of Well, I would hope so. (laughs) No, but (laughs) well, I'm interested, well, because when you came on my podcast, you mentioned that, and I didn't have any idea of that, so I learned about that for the first time through you, but I wondered if, like, obviously you guys weren't there at that time, but... Well, Terry was. Yeah. <laughs> Terry, back when you were in your early 20s. Exactly. <laughs> but did people generally feel welcomed by the feminists back then? Or was it still like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess like take along, but you're still other? I, well, I think that's, that's how it started because I know a lot, because um, a lot of the feminists were still wanting to be distrust distrustful of men is that the word that i'm mm-hmm. looking for yeah. yeah i swear there's no alcohol in this <laughs> um they're still distrustful of men because that's exactly what they're fighting and they didn't want men to join up with their cause yeah because it still was they they felt intrinsically that it had nothing to do with men like yes men either gay or straight were the root of the problem and they needed just to separate them yeah. and i think it, it was yeah, right before the AIDS crisis and everything like that, when they realized that um, that they were suffering as well, that they kind of it did start intermingling in that late seventies, yeah. early eighties era, and I think that I don't want to say the women just gave in, but I think the woman finally understood that it was a struggle that was over and above them, and that mm-hmm. the men 
the gay men that were there actually did believe in the the feminist movement as yes. well. Because mm-hmm. because I think and I think it was generally felt that with um, if if women were able to progress their rights and and to get the equality they gain or that they that they were seeking, then that would intrinsically help gay men because all of a sudden we were going to be seen as as a valid as valid human beings as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. What's interesting is well like when the suffragettes of the first wave feminists were coming up, like they were fighting for like I'm a white woman, I want to have a vote. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the extent of it. Yeah, all they wanted to do was vote. But, it. like, not even fighting for the votes of everyone. Like, people of color weren't officially, like, guaranteed people. a vote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, until, I think, like, the late 60s in the United States. And so I think the second wave, they were starting to look more outward of their white woman club. Mm-hmm. And going, oh, there's other groups who have gone through, like, we kind of both have common enemy number one together. And so, like, that's why today it really upsets me when people are like, oh, I'm a feminist, I'm a feminist, but then it's like, those dumb gays. <laughs> because it's like, well, no, you're either fighting for the right of everyone to get on the same level of equality, mm-hmm. or you're being, like, you're discriminating. The so, worst is when people say a man can't be a feminist. Mm-hmm. Or it makes them weak. I've yes. heard that so many times, and mm-hmm. I just want to yeah. freak out. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and I think it's in terms of I think men need to be feminists, and if we aren't feminists as men, I think we're doing a disservice to our mothers and our sisters, and eventually our daughters, mm-hmm. because if if you're not fighting for equality for women, that means you're saying that your mother is invalid. It means you're saying your sister is invalid, and that your daughter doesn't deserve equal pay that she would get to her brother. Yeah. I wonder if more of the issue that men have with it is because it's labeled feminist. Yeah. It's, it's just the word. I think that's more what they have. If it was called, like, mm-hmm. equalitist or something, they might un, like they might accept it more because that's literally what you're fighting for. But I think the straight men have the same um, reaction to when we when we talk about gay pride. Mm-hmm. Right? Because they're like, why do we need gay pride? Exactly. Why should I be an ally to the gay community? Yeah. Because, you know... You have it, all the rights. It's always in my face. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We have, why do we need feminism? You're yeah. always shouting in our face. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same story. Yeah. I think, it, and I was going to say something about equality, but I think as soon as we um, we try to shout for something equality, there's always going to be that one other person who's like, well, why do we need equality? Mm-hmm. Some people are different than others, and why aren't we embracing our differences? Therefore, people, there's going to be some people that are better than other people. And then that kind of just spirals out of control because mm-hmm. you'll get a dichotomy of one side is better than the other on something. So if it spins out from feminism to, you know, blondes and brunettes, like it, that's what it's going to... We naturally as humans need to categorize mm-hmm. and make something better and worse so we know what to follow and what to move away from. Mm-hmm. I think that's just society. We need labels. Yeah. I had a professor who put it really well. She said the reason it's called feminism is because traditionally, like, the feminine has been what hasn't had equality. Mm-hmm. And so until we can get that all the way up to equality, then it still has to be considered feminism. But also, like, why are men so scared of a word that's, like, a feminine exactly. word? Mm-hmm. Like, it... <coughs> 
still includes you and how come like the movement has become so misunderstood that it's still somehow about straight white men <laughs> like why does exactly. it always have to be about making you comfortable yeah. Yeah. like why can't you just accept yeah feminism feminism Equality? has absolutely nothing to do with straight white men well and like and, and the same argument was made because the same it was made with gay marriage mm-hmm. when when gay marriage was on the was on the, the table and being fought for. Um, everyone's like, well, you know, they're they're trying to ruin the sanctity of marriage, and we shouldn't allow it because you know it'll it'll change the definition of marriage. I had a couple problems with that because first of all, I'm like, <laughs> if you're worried about the sanctity of marriage, then outlaw divorce because you know. Mm-hmm. Although we just learned that the divorce rate in Canada isn't as high as it is in the states. Mm-hmm. It's only forty okay. percent versus fifty down down south. Thank you, the ladies of the social. Yes, <laughs> always how we get our info. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> um, but also my my question was, and I, and I looked at, at the, the the straight married couples in in my life. How does my right to marry a man directly affect your already existing marriage? Mm-hmm. Right, that was my big thing. Where mm-hmm. and that's where I'm like, I'm like, how does, how does, having women get equal pay for equal work affect you and your job that you've trained for, you have the experience for, and so therefore you're going to be paid based on your experience. Maybe you should just do a good fucking job. Exactly, because the women do that too. Mm-hmm. Get paid based on your skill level yeah. and your asset to the well, company. And I had a conversation with a coworker about this because he he was, um, he's actually the manager of the store that's underneath my office. And he's like, I, I hate when women talk about pay equality because, you know, it's, all, it's not about them being paid equally. It's it's about how they negotiate their, their wage. And I'm like, no, 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 hold up. I'm like, so if I come into a job and I have five years experience, I'm going to get paid blank, blank a year. But if I have a woman that comes in with the same level of experience that I have, um, she should be expected to be paid what I would be paid to do my job. Mm-hmm. But if we're paying her ten grand less, that is wrong. Based on her negotiations. Yes, apparently. it has like it should have nothing to do with negotiation. It's mm-hmm. I have five years of experience, and so does my female colleague. So at this, at, if we were decent human beings, we would both be paid equal. Well, and the thing is, it shouldn't ever even come down to like my negotiating power. No, no. because it shouldn't be because I'm a crap negotiator. Mm-hmm. Well. Yeah, it's just stupid. <laughs> right? Like, if, if it was negotiating <laughs> tactics, I would be paid less than minimum wage because yeah. I can't negotiate for shit. Me neither. Like, yeah. any um, any interview that I've ever gone in, I've totally bombed because I'm absolutely terrible yeah. at it. I'm just, I'm very meek. I'm very quiet. And I'm very unsure of myself when I'm in an interview. I'm good at that. <laughs> yeah, this, this kid, yeah. Ray is just like, whatever. Just <laughs> I don't relate. <laughs> yeah, just flashes a boob here and there. <laughs> but... Uh, so I couldn't imagine what it's like if it was a woman, again, trying to go into this men's field and try to negotiate her ass off yeah. to get equal pay. Like, no. I, I never really noticed it before in any of the positions I was in with employees and stuff. Mm-hmm. But Adam, in one of his old jobs, he was a manager. And when he left, you're not supposed to talk about wages and mm-hmm. stuff between them, right? But this is why. But after he left... He talked to a couple of the women. They were all making substantially less than he was, like a couple of grand a year. At least five, probably about five grand yeah. less. They had more experience and they were with the company longer than what he was. And I was like, that just goes to prove yeah. the point that everyone's yes. trying to make. Mm-hmm. Yes. It doesn't make any sense. No. Well, and I had, I work at Starbucks. 
still after all these years. Mm-hmm. Hopefully not. Well, I shouldn't say anything. I love <laughs> Starbucks. Starbucks, we love you. <laughs> I'm a dedicated employee. <laughs> Sponsor us. In case you're listening, Howard Schultz. Um, <laughs> but I remember I was working really hard to be a shift when mm-hmm. it was my only job um, because I'd get paid more and... I'd been at the company for four years at that point and was still just a lowly barista. And so our district manager was in the back and he, I forgot what he asked me, but I was like, yeah, my last manager before he left, like said I was going to be a shift. What do I need to do to make that happen? And he was like, well, didn't you just get married? And I was like, yeah. So so is there like paperwork or training? Like, how can I get on track for this? And he's like, well, maybe now isn't a good time since you're probably pretty focused on your new marriage. <laughs> and I was like, no, my husband's fine. Yeah. <laughs> he knows what? I love him. I see him one day a week. Yeah. <laughs> and like I told that to my dad because I was like, I just didn't even know what to say to that. Like, what? why is that relevant? And my dad was like, you need to sue him, blah, blah, blah. But like, it's in the back room. It's my word against his. I'd obviously never win that, but it was like, I think not only is it negotiating, but it's also a view of like, oh, well, like she won't be able to work late because she'll have to go home to her kids. Mm -hmm. Or Or she's going to be pregnant in a couple months. Yeah. Yeah. So then we're going to have to find someone to replace her for nine months and blah, blah, blah. I know. Mm -hmm. Uh, These are all of the same excuses that we hear for not doing equal pay because they believe that she's just going to be... She's not going to be as reliable as the men because she's going to have to deal so with her So her value is reduced. Right? For training. It's ridiculous. Especially because she can procreate. Yeah. Yeah. And I now know. even I've been like looking at applying to different jobs and it'll ask you to check off like, are you in a visible minority? So like, are you Aboriginal or someone who's non-white or are you a woman? Which I think is really interesting. And I remember it was like, check it off as if maybe that would help improve your chances because mm-hmm. they want to hire minorities. Yep. And it made me so mad because I was like, it shouldn't matter yeah. if I'm like a black woman because like I know it does. And so I'm glad it's there to help people. But like it shouldn't matter because it should be like it should come down to my experience and like how I do in my interview mm-hmm. and what I can bring to the table. Yeah. Like why is this part of the equation? Yeah, it kind of feels, um, I know I've seen those t- like those two and it what it feels like to me is that they have a certain threshold that they have to fill yeah. with their like equality segment. It's like yeah. movies, you have to throw on, like in a horror movie, they throw in one black person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As a side character. Yeah. And so they have- them off first. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the same kind of thing, right? So. Um, yes, you are, um, you are, uh, <clears throat> you're the, yes, you're a woman. Okay, so, check. Okay, so at least we know that we'll have one more woman on there. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you're Aboriginal? Oh, that's even better. We don't have one of those here yet. What, you're two-spirited Aboriginal woman? Oh, my Lord, you're hitting, like, three of the, the great, like, the check boxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you're disabled as well? Wow, I think we really need to have you in here. And that's kind of what it feels like. It's like mm-hmm. the more check boxes that you have, it's like the more that they're able to like say that they're equal and yeah. having this just uh, this flux of 
everything and equality and then they they embrace the world and then you get in there so you'll have the one fem- the, the okay let's see what did what did i say a two-spirited hey. aboriginal woman in a wheelchair yeah <laughs> and everyone else there is white men yeah, yeah. right like is that that's not a quality well right? and it's so like I don't want to be in an office because I check off a box on there. Yeah. yeah. Hiring and it should have. Yep. Like, that sucks. I didn't get and the job because I'm a woman. Like yeah. That's, yeah. Well, and I would be so mad if I was, like, a straight, able-bodied white male. And it's like, okay, but you just hired this person who doesn't, has no experience because yeah. they're too spirited in a wheelchair. <laughs> like, right? but I've also been working hard. And so then it's like... This thing that's meant to, like, help make things mm-hmm. equal just makes it ten times worse. Yeah, yeah. Well, but I also know from that flip point, I've been the only gay man in every shop I've worked in mm-hmm. in the ten years I've been mm-hmm. with my company. And I, I hate it because all of a sudden, because I'm the only gay man in that shop, my shop becomes the most diverse shop in the in the company because, right. or at least in the city, because they have the gay man. Um and there, so there was there was one point, and it was like it was like the best six months of my of my career with this company where we had uh, I was the, I was I was an administrator in the office. We had hired a lesbian to work with me, and we hired another gay guy for the counter. Mm-hmm. So we had three of us in there. It was the most queer people I'd ever worked with. I was like on cloud nine because we were partying <laughs> up, and we were, we all got along well. I was going to say you don't even have to like each other. No, yeah, but like <laughs> we got along well enough because we were like, well, we got something in common. Mm-hmm. But we actually ended up, our, our, our straight counterparts, even though they still grossly outnumbered us, felt intimidated by this trio of LGBTQ2A people mm-hmm. because they thought we were trying to take over. It's like, well, first of all, yeah, kind of. Well, yeah, like the rainbow <laughs> army has just infiltrated. <laughs> um, but second of all, I'm like, I'm like, no. I'm like, if we had, if we gave less of a crap about who we slept with and more of a crap of what we can do, Probably be a better society, mm-hmm. you know. And I hate being the token gay guy, and it happens every time I go, especially at the Christmas party. I am the token gay guy, mm-hmm. and I, and they put me out front and center. And because I have a loud, booming voice, they're like, "Can you be the MC?" And I'm like, "But do you want me to be the MC?" Because I, I have the voice and the good speaking skills, sometimes. <laughs> or is it because I am the only gay in the so like this? You like the circus act? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember I have this friend, Siona, and she's this, she's African-American, and she was like, I am so effing sick of being the poster girl for every place I work at or, like, go to school at. Like, when we were in grade school, they had, on, like, the cover of our school's pamphlet, it was her and then my friend Travis, who was, like, the blonde hair, blue-eyed white guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then they had this guy, Jamal, who was like the Indian, mm-hmm. I think he's Pakistani. And then this other girl, Bonnie, who was Chinese. And it was like, they so had their full the rainbow. Right there, yeah. And she was just like, this is so clearly, like, she's like, I don't have the best grades. I don't do anything to help the school. Like, I shouldn't be on the poster. Mm-hmm. But it's just because I'm like one of two black people who go here. Yeah. And it was the same thing. She was like, I want to have, like, earned that. Mm-hmm. And, like, I want to be picked as MC because I'm funny and entertaining, <laughs> not because I'm gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it's... So, even going back to, like, the whole, um, like, the 
the checky off box thingies. Mm-hmm. It's like yes, they're trying to do the diversity hires, but it's it's kind of does it feel like that way in life sometimes that it's like we see some of these things now because we know we have to be more diverse. It's socially acceptable that we have to allow these things, but then is that just getting out of control? Like mm-hmm. we have it because it's so it's saying, forced upon us. We're saying we're so focused on diversity, we're not actually paying attention to building a healthy society. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's um, like we're so focused on making sure that women always have equality that we're forgetting why it's important in the first place. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of that that kind of thing. Like we lose sight of forest trees, whatever that thing is. Well, I yeah. think but we can't hope. see the forest for the trees. <laughs> That one, yeah. Yeah, I think you'd hope that one day eventually it's like, oh, I didn't even consider the fact that you're a two-spirited aboriginal. <laughs> In like, that wheelchair. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you're I didn't even see the wheelchair. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but you'd hope that it's just like, we don't have to even think about mm-hmm. it because it does just come. It is just like, okay, you're here. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And I get to work. I hate yeah. to say it, but I think... It comes down to the the generation of children that we are raising right now, um, and even though the four of us at this table aren't parents, at least we're not human parents, because mm-hmm. you know you all have their babies. <laughs> I am a parent. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> very beautiful children. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's still important that we raise the we raise the next generation of children to be better human beings. Mm-hmm. And I think it's incumbent on parents now that our children are a better version of who we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we have some of those children being raised by people that aren't that have the extreme voices. Yes. That's very diplomatic. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even say the R word this time. I'm so happy with myself. <laughs> they great. Take us out because of you. I know. I know. <laughs> and that's, I think, every generation. Like, I just watched the documentary on Netflix, Feminists. And a lot of them said, like, yeah, I was raised by a mom who was, like, a feminist through and through, even back in the 40s. Mm-hmm. And, like, she raised me to be better. And so it's kind of like, it will never happen. But ideally, how can we get it so everyone is just better? Yeah. <laughs> you and, know? <laughs> but I think that's what we always want, is just, we want the world to be better. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I think... And there, there's a slippery slope that the world is sliding down on right Yeah. Now. But I think it's because we want the world to be better in our view. Because we think it's the yes. right way, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Where, it obviously is. Well, sure. But there's a whole half of the population that thinks their view is better. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they want their view to be what it is. And they are raising their children to pick up their view because they believe that it is But if right. you're viewing it on something that other people are valued less than you... Mm-hmm. You'd think your views were wrong. You think. I, I, I think the big part of the conversation, I think the big problem, the big part of the problem is, and this is where I had the conversation with, with my family members on, and I think you've probably had the same conversation I've had, is that we aren't having the conversation, the two sides aren't talking. No. At least, mm-hmm. no, 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 that's a lie. <laughs> they're talking because <laughs> they're slinging a whole ton of money at each other. They're talking at each other. But they're not with, with each other, right? Mm-hmm. And that is the big problem, and that's, I think... 
Um, as much as I want to say we need to remove certain elements out of certain positions of power to get the conversation to turn from <laughs> Republicans. <laughs> Sorry. Subtle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very subtle. Um, where we're talking with each other instead of at each other, I think if we were to have both sides talk with each other, that's when we would achieve the, the true equality. Mm-hmm. But we're not having that right now, and that's that's a really big problem in today's world. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Something, I forget where it was, there was somewhere in the States, um, but there was some area somewhere with some people. (laughs) Somewhere I swear it happened. (laughs) Google it with all my information. Um, But basically it was the Republicans and Democrats in this area that were obviously butting heads, especially like now more than ever it feels like. But they both agreed that they had a homeless issue in their area. And so they decided... Okay, forget it. We're not going to talk about this other stuff right now. Here's something we can agree on. Like, let's go make this better. And then let's find the next thing we agree on and the next thing. And what they found was that while they were working on this homelessness issue, they were also talking about things they disagreed on Mm -hmm. and able to find, like, okay, why? Like, why does immigration scare you so much? Like, why are you so against it? And they found it was so good to just get talking so that at the end of the day, it's not like they were converting people to their viewpoint necessarily, but it's like, okay, I understand your side, and, like, I'm going to try to respect that side Mm -hmm. a bit more doesn't necessarily change how I think, but kind of like you do you sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what I really liked is that instead of just sitting around complaining and posting stuff on Facebook that doesn't do anything, they were like, no, we're going to actually find something we can do to make the world better. Yeah. And I think that's something I really have been trying to challenge myself with is like, I do a lot of talking, yeah. <laughs> but like, what can I actually do that's going to help? Move mm-hmm. this forward in a healthy way. Because well, and, and, we, Alex, you and I have some very conservative members in our family mm-hmm. um, that are, like, they're, they're fiscally conservative, but they're also very socially conservative, yeah. which doesn't help when you have, you know, um, when you have a, a gay guy and a feminist and whatever my sister is and an autistic child. Like, we have, yeah. we have a very diverse generation of grandkids. Um, and so I think... And there's there's a lot of times when we avoid certain topics at dinner because we're like, mm-hmm. we don't... I don't even know that we don't have the energy, but it's like we, we are so scared of starting a family feud because it's like it feels like all it takes is a spark. Mm-hmm. So like I think we also need to be better, maybe not have... We need to definitely have a better conversation. We need to have better conversations. Mm-hmm. And I think both sides need not to be as afraid. Well, it's not... There's one side that's very unafraid of speaking their opinions but I think the other side needs to step up and be like well it's not necessarily it's like you, is we, can, we need to stop we need to not just wow I can talk I swear <laughs> wow. we don't need to need to necessarily be um, like you're wrong but it's it's this is how I see it or mm-hmm. I, how I view it and we need to start having those kinds of conversations too yeah. in an individual household. I think, um, and I'm kind of like I'm laughing over here, not, not just because he can't speak. Um, <laughs> well, that too. But because, you know, and Alex was describing it and then Eric was describing it. Literally, this is like, um, it goes back to like the old adage of everything you ever needed to know you learned in kindergarten. Yeah. Because literally, that's what they teach you in kindergarten. Hmm. If you are fighting over the same toy, 
you know, talk it over, see why this kid wants it, why you need it, whatever, whatever, solve the problem, and then make friends along the way. And it's like, like forget that lesson, this, though. This is what's happening. Yeah. Like, with your Anywhere America, whatever it was, you have the... <laughs> <laughs> I swear it happened! In your magical land somewhere in America. But, like, if that, if, like, if it... If it does exist, and they were, you know, they were solving problems along the way, like a, a good old CBC late night special, when they were just trying to like solve one problem, then they realized they were solving everything else, and uh, it's like that's the kind of thing that you learn way, like that's how you learn how to deal with society when you were four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And I think that's kind of what we forget. I think, I think people so too, are so yeah. scared of opening their minds up and keeping them open. Yeah, and learning, or they're they're scared of that that their voice won't be heard. Yeah, so they have to keep talking. Yeah, kind of like what I always. And that's why so many times the people in your life that have the loudest voices Mm -hmm. all the time are the ones that have the lowest self esteem. Yeah, because they need to be heard. Yeah, and a lot of the times their loud voices have no substance. Right, Mm -hmm. they're just it's a lot of sizzle, no steak. There we go. Back to the steak. (laughs) Right back to the bad dog. So. Let's talk about voices being heard, because that's what a lot of the rights movements are, at least, or at least have been in the last, I want to say 20 years, and I realize I just aged myself there, because <laughs> it's pretty much what it has been. Um, so the, the biggest movement for voices right now has been the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, um, I think we're going to touch on it a little bit later this month yeah. in a podcast, and um, I know you've touched on it a few times. Um, so I do want to talk about it a little bit here today, only because um, I think it's a good. This is a good group to bring it up with. Um, so, as as feminists, how can we be better allies in the time of Me Too? Because teach us. Because me. Well, no, but Me Too has been very divisive, and I think we yeah. saw that. And I know you don't want to give them any more airtime than than we have to. <laughs> Sounds good. But. In, in when, when we were paying attention to the to the state and to Justice Kavanaugh's um, confirmation hearing, which was a circus in itself, I think we saw the division of how Me Too really um, challenged the the status quo within the government in particular. Mm-hmm. So, but I also feel like that's where the straight white man kind of won out there. Um, and as, as, and the feminist kind of lost out in that, in that, especially in that particular instance. Um, and I feel like as allies, we almost didn't do enough to push, to, to push for our voices to be listened to. So what can we do to be better allies? I think the biggest thing is like listening and validating. Um, I saw this really good post about the Brett Kavanaugh thing that said, because his, one of his defenses was, oh, I'm like such a big ally of women. And it was like, okay, well, one of your main ways you were trying to clear your name was by basically dismantling this woman's testimony and saying it was like figuring out how it was wrong. And instead, someone said what he should have just said is like, I feel like I am totally innocent. That's what I stand by, whether that's true or not. But, like, in your attempts to clear my name, you don't need to ruin her name. 
And I thought, that's really poignant because when someone shares a story, I think it's easy to go, oh, well, that kind of happened because I wasn't there that night. And, well, look at my calendars because I write everything on my calendars <laughs> as a 17-year-old. <laughs> look at this motivational poster. <laughs> so, I'm in there, kitty. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the biggest thing is listening for starters, which I think we've done a pretty good job of. Like, people have been pretty open to sharing their experiences and I think it takes a lot of like I know a lot of women said like I'm not comfortable sharing like my me too story but yeah me too it's happened to me and respecting that as well but like frankly I don't know what happens next and that's that's a very (laughs) no but that's a very valid point because I think we're at the point with me too where like we we've had the conversation of what has happened and I think I'm not saying all the bad guys have been have been brought to justice, but I think we've definitely seen a big change in terms of when you when you do something wrong, there are definitely consequences. Uh, and we saw that. Have we? Well, we've started to see it. Like we saw, we saw it with um, Harvey Weinstein for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Feels um, like we've seen it in entertainment. Yes, which is a lot more disposable because mm-hmm. for every Harvey Weinstein, there's potentially. 50 billion other men that could take that spot. Yes. So, like, I don't think we've necessarily seen it in politics quite yet. Not not in American politics. We've seen it a little bit in Canadian politics, because we've had a couple members of Parliament that have been accused and have stepped down mm-hmm. because of those accusations mm-hmm. to allow the... <laughs> sorry. To allow the investigations to happen. But it hasn't been enough. No. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a valid point to look at of where do we go from here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of it is is we need to we need to validate the victims. Sorry, not the victims, the survivors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's also important that we start moving away from we don't call these people victims. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we need to start calling them survivors because what they sur- what they went through and came out on the other side, they actually it, it is you are you did survive something mm-hmm. and you survived something traumatic to you and that needs to be acknowledged. Well, and it puts the power back in their hands. Yes, because when you're a victim, the power is still in the bad guy's hands. Yes, I agree. Yeah, I just don't know where it goes <laughs> from here, like. I- I think realistically, we it's it's not going to be a problem that we're going to be able to fix. Uh, As the four of us at this table can't fix it. No, and especially not with the regime that we've got going on right now, because it's still it's highly influenced by the boys' club. But at right. least the conversation's happening. The conversation is happening, but a lot of the times it just it feels mm-hmm. like what's happening is it's. it's it's being said, and then the boys' club is trying to shut it down. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I right. think it's going to keep. The voice is just going to get louder. Yes. And it's like a pendulum. It's like, it's going to keep going back and forth a bit until we finally hit like a mm-hmm. well, and middle I, ground. And I think we need to, because part of the, part of the, what I found with Me Too is, is in, in, in addition to Me Too, we've also had um, extreme voices come out and anyone who supports Me Too is now, uh, we're, we're, you know, a libtard or we're a snowflake or we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're too, 
We're too liberal. But I, but it's it's fear. It's fear of change. People. Exactly. It's a defense mechanism. And, and, and I think we like we as as the liber, as liberal minded people need to also not fear some of that conservatism because there is it is good to have that balance. But I think mm-hmm. conservatives in our lives need to demand better from the people that represent them, especially in politics, because we have some very idiot awful people. Oh yeah, or not. <laughs> we have some very awful people. Um, with some very extreme voices that are going to drag us back to the Stone Age mm-hmm. that are representing us right now mm-hmm. that we need to encourage the conservatives in our lives to step up and demand better representation for their voice yeah. because I also feel like the, the conservatives that are representing conservative people, in, in, especially here in Canada, don't represent all conservatives here in Canada and we need to acknowledge that as liberals. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I guess two things. My one thought is that I'm glad to see that the Me Too movement hasn't, like, it went viral in a sense back last November. Yes. But, like, it's still going, and this is a year plus now almost. Mm-hmm. And I think that's. And it that's had been good. going before that as well. Yeah. yeah it's exactly. been around for a bit. So it's so. good that it's not just like, oh, we all did the ice bucket challenge, and now we don't think of mm-hmm. MS ever again. Yeah. You know, like, we're still coming out with stories and still making sure. It doesn't just end with that one moment. And I think that's good. And another thing that's happened is, um, I'll just throw him under the bus because he'll listen to this anyways, but my dad has said, like, I feel like like him, in his own experience, he's like, I could have any random person from a party that I went to in high school turn around and say, oh, Perry Holden touched my butt. And so he shouldn't get to be the manager of his company anymore. And his said that kind of his thing is like, well, we'll never find anyone who hasn't done anything bad in their past. And so also at what point do we say, yeah, that was 40 years ago and you were a stupid boy or a stupid girl, but like everything you've done since has shown a lot of growth. So where do we forgive people and say, yeah, okay, you can keep your job because we've seen a history of you having I think there's a difference mistake. between making an inappropriate touch at a party, yeah. which could have just been misreading signals or anything, mm-hmm. versus drugging and raping somebody for mm-hmm. a job or yes. using your power of influence to get off. Yeah. Well, and I think some people are still having issues discerning between the severity of those things like they're both bad things but like the whole we had like Harvey Weinstein happen which is obviously like a crazy sexual predator yes and thank god and there was a history of behavior for a long time it wasn't a just once oh yeah exactly and then we have like on the other side the thing that happened with Aziz Anasari where he had sex with this girl, thought it was all good, and then she came back to him and said, like, I'm actually not comfortable with how any of that played out. Afterwards. And afterwards. And for me, it's like, okay, that's a clear difference between, like, a sexual predator and someone who, like, maybe groped when he shouldn't have mm-hmm. and didn't realize what was going on. Yeah. And so I think we have to still reconcile with that. Yeah. And where is... Where are we going to put that line? But then also moving forward, like, John has said a lot, like, no, I can honestly say that I've never done anything gross in my past. And, like, if I have, it's like, one time I tried to kiss a girl and she told me no, and so I stopped. Yes. And, like, there's good people out there. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not like they're unicorns who don't exist. 
Like, there's a lot of good people. So we can't just say, oh, but everyone's done bad stuff. Because there are good people. So how do we get those people in power? And how do we make sure that they're not scared? But I do think um, there... So, yeah, there is levels of what people need to be held accountable for and everything like that. Um, And I will even go so far as to say if Brett Kavanaugh had just admitted it and been like, you know what, I was a stupid 18-year-old, mm-hmm. I was drunk, you know, I'm sorry. Yes. I think if 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 he would have validated... Dr. Ford. ...her feelings, yeah. and you know what, he'd be like, I'm sorry for what I put you through. Yeah. Um, I didn't mean it. And then he could have been like, you know, for the past 40 years... I've never done it since. I have a wife. I've got mm-hmm. four kids. And look at me now. But instead of just deny, 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 and, yeah. you know, victim shame it and victim blame it, yeah. it would have been totally different. Yes. And I think it would have actually had progressed the movement a little bit better mm-hmm. and then trying to, to fight on both sides. Yeah. Then I think it would have been better for like Dr. Ford's, because would she even have had to testify? She wouldn't have had to ruin her life. He would have just been, yeah, oops, sorry. Right? Yeah. yeah. You know, can we move past it? You know, I apologize. Yeah, I, th- I don't exactly. think that would have not get, gotten him the seat. Mm-hmm. On the- no, I, I, th- I think if anything, it would have sped up his 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 confirmation to the yeah. Supreme Court. And I, I, I think yeah, like, have... I would have been happy. I think the whole thing would have been put to bed so much yeah. faster. Yes. Because even I would be like, okay, if that's what's happened, yeah. Yeah. great. Exactly. It, it, He's a douche. That's fine. But yeah. he owned it. I'm okay with that. Yeah. yeah. Like, go sit on Supreme Court. You learned your lesson. Yeah. yeah. It's all good. But no, yeah, no, I think no. it's the deny, deny, deny. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to be vulnerable when you do make mistakes. Like... Girls from high school could come out and say, Alex claims to be this big feminist, but you should have heard some of the shit she said. Mm -hmm. Like, she's not a feminist, she's the worst. And I'd be like, yeah, you're right, it's true. I was was, the worst. But that was ten years ago. I have changed. And I think there's a lot of power in saying, like, yeah, I did change, and here's Mm -hmm. what changed my mind, Mm -hmm. and here's what I'm doing to help other people change their minds, because that's what we want at the end of the day. And that's why we're here talking about this. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, like ad nauseum. <laughs> Lord, yeah. this is our longest <laughs> podcast ever. <laughs> we, are, we are so sorry for the length of this nap. podcast. <sighs> I know. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of feel like we've, we've... I know we've barely scratched the surface on this topic. But at the same time, we've also beat this horse to death. Yes, I think we beat this particular <laughs> conversation to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think this is where we're going to leave it for now. Mm-hmm. Um, so check us out on the socials. That, at, give yourself a pause. Alex is our guest. Oh, she is allowed to give her shout yeah. out. I, I was going to be like, How that was going to be like the last thing We are always last because we're the thing that people need to remember. That's true. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> All about me. Jeez. <laughs> it's not where you put feminist of you. Yeah, woman yeah, um, first. Yeah. Boys suck. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Preach. Okay, so let's wrap this up because I think, I think we can definitely come back to this later, but. We definitely beat this conversation to death. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Alex, I mean, we kind of like we kind of like plugged you a little bit at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But do you have anything you want to plug? Um, yeah, check out my podcast, Mrs. Um, Feminist Podcast, wherever you listen to them. And then there's Instagram under the same handle. And if you like seeing pictures of my dog, you can follow me at Alexandra Lydia on Instagram. Do you have the Twitter? I- no. 
Um, I was really funny on Twitter. But I had, like, two people following me, <laughs> and I just, like, needed the validation and wasn't getting it. No, that's fair. So I quit. Um, okay, so, Alex, if we want to read your book, how do we get our hands on your books? Okay, go to my website, www.alexandralydia.com, and you can go to, like, the store option, and it's got all the links there. And we'll put all the links in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Now, for us, if you want to reach out to us, you can reach us at on Instagram and Twitter. Um, send us a review. We want to see reviews. We want to know what you're thinking and what you think of us. And uh, any reviews that we receive, we'll give you a shout out here on the podcast. Um, if you want to send us some hate mail, or if you don't like anything <laughs> that I've said, you can hit me up at Captain Nerd or at Captain Nerd eighty seven. I swear I remember my handles. One of these days you'll get it. I know. Uh, um, uh, I'm on Twitter and uh, Instagram. Uh, we are not going to ask for what we usually ask for because I think that would be in poor taste in our feminism podcast. Yes. So if we if there is something that you would like to discuss about feminism or or really any any topic that we've covered in the last yeah 23 podcasts that we've done mm-hmm. and tell us to get alex back on yeah. yes if you like her tell us and if you have any questions <laughs> for her and she's not answering her socials um then i always answer my <laughs> socials how dare you she needs that validation <laughs> we've discussed it i also just realized that i don't even follow pride <gasps> I just did. Can you delete this? Like this, this, the last hour and a half of my life is just ruined and over and worthless. No, All right. I mean, I love you. So, um, Alex, thank you so much for appearing on our thank podcast. You. Hopefully we haven't scared you away and you'll come back to us soon. We haven't frightened, the gays haven't frightened her. <laughs> um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you. Thanks. So, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it for this week. So, thanks for tuning in. Cheers. Bye. Cheers, Bye.